stories you're about to hear are entirely true. They are some of history's most notorious and sinister mysteries. Whenever possible, the actual police and witnesses involved have been used in the recreation of these events. Your hosts, senior mystery analysts, Ben Pateski and John Nafsinger, have been exploring the paranormal and the unknown for over a year. They dig deep for society's own good, working in the dark to bring the truth to light. This is Drunk Mysteries. Good evening, and welcome back, dear and fervent listener of Drunk Mysteries Podcast, and welcome to another thrilling and stormy episode. My name is John Nafsigir, I'm your host of tonight's episode, along with my co-host, the uh, adventurous and sexually, you know, advanced... Uh, Ben Pateski. Ben, how you doing? John, that is true. I am what we in the Karma Sutra biz call a stage five auctioneer. And that's basically when I can auction off sex positions, not based on their value, but based on their sexual stamina, so to speak. But John, there's, so- there's something I want to talk to you tonight yeah, about. Yeah, please, go ahead. Okay, so John... That was a good I, explanation, by the John, way. John, I know that most of our listeners are fundamentalist Christians. And as the fundamentalist Christians, Christians that they are, that who have a a direct and um, very linear reading of the Bible, as in they think that the Bible is the actual word of God. They know that we here at Drunk Mysteries need to give them our fundamental mystery direction. Okay. And, John, based on what I've read in the Bible, he is very big on giving praise to um, those those who earn it through their honesty piety and religious fundamentalism. Piousness, I think. Exactly. Yeah, piousness. And through their religious fundamentalism, John. And, and that's why I want to talk to you about the importance of subscribing and review. Yes, listeners, that's that was right. a long roundabout, but go on. Yep. That's right, listeners. Um, The only way to get into the good graces of whichever God you worship, whether he be Allah, the Christian God, or any Norse gods, so or the maybe Norse you're gods. Still into the Roman ones, you know. Zeus yes, exactly. And, Whether you are a and, uh, pagan or 80s. anything else, John. I mean, the thing is to get into the good graces of your God before you die. It's important to show gratitude to those who have so served you in your present life. Okay. And I feel like since we have begun this podcast, we have taken you on a journey of sensual pleasures and mysteriological pleasures where we have exposed the truth about mysteries that you have not only found daunting but vexing. So John what I'm saying is in order to get into the right part of the afterlife you my friend need to subscribe and review to this podcast to please whichever god it is you worship. Where can they do that? They can do it in really anywhere they listen to podcasts John. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, um, SoundCloud or any of the other ones that people listen to podcasts on. Okay, so Ben, tonight I, I'm drinking on Stella Artois. It's a beer that I actually don't have any information in front of me about. Rick, where's that at? Um, uh, what do you think, you John? Just, just give it your visceral gut reaction. I mean, reaction. it's a good look. I just, I just want. I, yeah, my reaction is that it's a delicious, crisp beer. I'm just more upset with Rick that he does not have the info. I swear to God, do you think he's doing drugs? He is doing drugs. We knew that. We knew that going but into like it. more. But John, moving on. So Sorry, there's actually some there's some real and exciting news that I would like to. There's two pieces of exciting news, folks. You guys are listening to our um 
Labor Day special right now, and there's a couple things I would like to announce. The first is that we have recently updated our website. For the very first time, you can now head to drunkmysteries.com to get the latest news about upcoming episodes, guests, events, and world news. You can also subscribe to our email list if you want to be constantly bombarded by thousands of emails from our maybe hundreds of thousands of Indonesian workers who populate many a building in Indonesia, sending out emails all day to our many listeners. So no, go babe, to Drunk Mr. Would you count that as spam? You wouldn't, right? No, of course not, because it's 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 the things that you want to know about. You will know yeah. about upcoming mysteries, you will know about world news that we find fascinating, and you will also hear the latest as to upcoming plans for the show. Now, John, there's one other thing I need to announce. What is it? We actually have a new sponsor. Oh, okay. Now, John, I would like to announce that we are currently being sponsored by our friends over at The Company. The Company is a bio firm who has recently created the new product, Fumungus. John, do you know what Fumungus is? No, please. Uh, now, listener, I'm going to ask, uh, do you know what Fumungus is? So, no. John... Fumungus is actually a fungus that you can grow on your body. Now, Fumungus is special because in addition to being a growing living being, it can also be eaten. So you can grow this fungus on your body, which will feed off of your skin cells, and then you can feed off of the fungus for increasingly diminishing returns. Oh. Now, so, so John. You say increasingly I, diminishing returns, so just ask the time. Well, okay, you have to think about the cycle here. So the cycle is this, is that you have fungus growing on your body. The fungus feeds on you. You feed on the fungus. This is a loop that can't be sustained forever. You're shitting every once in a while, so there's going to be an increasingly diminishing amount of fungus that grows on you. Mm. Now, folks, Fuma so you need to supplement it with other food to sort of replace what you've lost, thus getting back to equal where the fungus can continue to feed off of you, and thus you can get like like you. Well, no, John, you're not you're not sorry you're not supposed to. Okay. okay, but here's the thing. So, folks, Fumungus is made by the company. The company is a bio firm, and basically what Fumungus is. Is it is a purple fungus. You can buy it in a jar called a fumungus jar, and you rub it on your forearms, and then the fungus will slowly grow throughout your body, slowly consuming you while you consume it. Again, fumungus is made by the company. Go to thecompany.com and type in offer code fumungus for ten percent off your next order. John, what are we? Um, who? What other sponsors do we have? Listeners, tonight we talked to you about something that you may have only seen your darkest nightmares and heard in stories that your grandma told you to keep you up at night after you had done something terrible, like make a mess in the chicken pantry. Mm. Tonight, listeners, we of course talk about voodoo. You've heard of it. You've maybe seen it in the nation of Haiti if you've had the pleasure of visiting. Or maybe you've heard of it while on the while on that famous bender in New Orleans, while you were coming to terms with your intense attraction to the daughter of your father's sworn enemy. The mysterious religious cult that is voodoo is primarily practiced in the Caribbean, part of Haiti, and some deep, deep, deep southern regions in the United States, such as the Bayou of Louisiana. The religion of voodoo combines elements of Roman Catholic ritual with traditional African magical and religious rites, which are often characterized by sorcery and spirit possession. Wow. Tonight, John... And listeners, you beautiful listeners made of gold, we are weaving a mystery, a tale, so to speak, that involves an incredibly subjective practice, practice 
one where it's true and real and can be used to your enemy's defeat. Tonight, listeners, we discuss the forgotten mystery of voodoo and one particular practitioner, Willie Maxwell, who is responsible for the deaths of many using this dark art. Now, Ben, actually, to be clear, that's Reverend Willie Maxwell hmm. because um, we're going to set the scene a little bit here. Okay. Um, so we're, our story is going to begin in 1970s Alabama. Oh, wow. This is the deep rural south. There's a small populated area covering a wide expanse of actual physical space. Um, there lived a man named Reverend Willie Maxwell, um, and he was a pulp wood farmer, uh, essentially owning a few warehouses where wood was converted into paper. So he no would bit. farm wood, trees so to speak, yeah. and then grind that wood up and turn it into He's paper. He's got a big plot of land out on the outskirts of a town near a forest mm. with probably a staff of workers cutting down trees, bringing it into a set of warehouses where milling equipment turns that wood into paper. Okay, That's simple enough. Life. Yeah, so, um, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. That's, which we'll come back into play later. So I want to really want to like, in everything, in every image you get painted of this mystery listener, um, remember that it's remote, desolate, seemingly isolated in all directions. Yes. Now, Willie was actually a preacher, and he was allegedly very, a very good preacher. He was okay, very charismatic, so to speak. Probably yes. a deep voice. Yes. Um, very personable, uh, very relatable, um, good, very em- empathetic. Um, but allegedly, few had ever really heard him at congregation. So okay, so how do we know he was a good preacher? Rumor. Reputation. So rumor had it he was a good preacher, even yeah. though no one actually went to this church? Well, no, John, that ha- seems suspicious at best. Continue the story, though. Reverend Willie Maxwell wore colorful suits, and he drove a slick, silver Buick sedan. Wow. He was a mustachioed, golden-throated, and silver-tongued. Um, he was as charismatic as he was charming, and perhaps as charming as he was deadly. Really? So, John, I have a question. Yeah. This, um, this, this Reverend Willie is it Maxwell... About, is your, wait, real quick. Is your question about being raised by wolves? No. Okay, go on. Okay, but anyway. So, what do we know about his childhood? Do we know anything? Or is it kind of steeped in mystery? It's steeped in mystery. It's shrouded because... So, did he just end up in this town? Like, out of nowhere? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so how long ago... You gotta remember, think How long ago, John, before the events of the story, did he end up in this town? That I don't know. I wasn't able. I, well, I wasn't able to do in my research. Yeah, I wasn't. What? Do you, what? Do you, okay, based on. Okay, I know you couldn't find any sources that could be verified, so to speak. Yeah. But I know you also he, looked. I know you also looked underground. Well, like yeah, I, like here you got Ben. You got, again, and this gets back to the picture we painted. Like this is rural, deep South Alabama. It's not that it was poor record keeping or deceptive record keeping. It's just it's remote and understaffed enough to the point where like things. Were, aren't reliable and okay. I don't want to prevent that, present that to the listener saying like oh this is fact like sure did I hear some whispers so yeah okay let, can I just set the scene real Go quick ahead. so what we have is we have Willie Maxwell a preacher that is how old uh in his early early mid 30s okay so we have a preacher in his early to mid 30s who lives in this town he has recently moved there not many people know much about his past yep um he is, by reputation, a very good preacher, mm-hmm. despite the fact 
that not many people actually go to his congregation. Could we bring that back to the voodoo topic and think, is it possible that seemingly some sort of voodoo element... Well, I think we need to go on, on with the well, story no, hang on, let me fin- fucking finish. Is it possible that this... He, yeah, you may be right. Um, so, and the open secret, and this is maybe we'll get, get to my point, the open secret in Alabama and, and uh, his county, Coosa County, Alabama, was that he practiced the mysterious dark voodoo religion. Hmm. So, like, there's probably two sides to the rumor, just like yeah. there's two sides to any story, yay? Mm-hmm. Um, there's the part of the reputation that is, oh, he's a great preacher, he's very mm-hmm. charismatic. How could he be up to no good? He's so nice and personable. But there's the other side of the town that says, look beyond the veil. Mm-hmm. Don't believe the hype. Was there any He's side of the town the that dark. was opening questioning, openly questioning him? I'm sure there was, though they probably possessed little means to do so. So this is pure so, speculation right now. But they now. probably possessed little means to do so in a public forum. Like they're not Okay, so what you're members. saying is that there was there were factions in the town based on what you think that were probably questioning him, though you don't have any proof of this. And, um, now, well, I do have some, and like testimony, um, witnesses would claim, you know, they had just a rumor, like a feeling, a vibe that if Willie Maxwell was driving through your neighborhood, run inside the house. Okay, get so get the kids inside. So he was charismatic but creepy. So John, put like an air of charm, but also like a swindler. Okay, yeah, and a even swindler, someone you don't want to do. You walk, you cross the street. So John, I think it's important that we, what little we do know about Willie Maxwell, we do know was suspicious at best. And it wasn't long until death confronted the town at Willie Maxwell's side. So, Mary Lou Maxwell had been found dead in her 1968 Ford, which appeared to have struck a tree on Highway 22 near Hillaby Bridge. It was a crisp evening when the beautiful and luscious Mary Lou Maxwell, known for her viren eyes, dark blue chatter, and gift for gab. An incredible blueberry cobbler recipe. Oh, absolutely, John. People knew her as Cobbler Mary or (laughs) Maxwell House, known for her coffee. So it wasn't Mary Lou Maxwell, the luscious beauty of Alabama, was soon found dead in her 1968 Ford, which appeared to have been struck by a tree on Highway 22 near the world-famous, but also struck a tree. Doesn't matter. Struck by a tree. Okay, but John, it doesn't matter. So she, so the car hit it, wrapped around a tree near the world famous Hillaby Bridge, known for its great view of the apple farm, Hillaby Apple Farms. So John, the man who alerted police to the accident on Highway 22 was none other than her husband, the what? Reverend Willie Maxwell. Could it be the terror of Alabama? So John, eventually, the county. Eventually, investigators would bring charges against Willie Maxwell in this particular case because they suspected that um, he might want to kill his wife because of his various strange behaviors and his and his local eccentricities that just drove people crazy. So now, as the trials are began or are proceeding, they're slow moving, mm-hmm. and uh, Reverend Willie Maxwell, through the profits of his paper milling company, was able to get bail. So he's out of jail during these, all these trials and court. He's a man of means. And this is where he employs that devious, nefarious charm. Um, in his amp, because in this sort of menagerie, menage a trois of time with these court cases, there's ample time 
for him to operate, and he uses that time to seduce the prosecution's star witness, his neighbor, Dorcas Anderson, who was a rather older woman than mm. his original wife, uh, Mary Lou, but mm-hmm. you could tell that she was a beauty in her day as well, yeah. and very okay. sweet, but also distinctly lacking in being able to make any sort of cobbler, which... Reverend hmm. Willie Maxwell noted on in some you know writings later. There were some diaries found, hmm. but um, ben was she a terrible cook in general, or was she? No, she just didn't have the knack for baked goods like John. Mary I have Lou a question. Did. Yeah, I think go ahead. it's a question that most of our listeners are wondering. So Millie Wax, Willie Maxwell clearly um, clearly was into women who could cook. Absolutely. Was he yes. a good cook himself, or was he just a hypocrite of some kind? In my notes, I, 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 in my investigations, it didn't really come up his cooking prowess. But if I had to guess, I would say no, because he seems dependent on finding um, any sort of partner who can cook for him. You know okay. what I mean? Okay, so John, in between Mary Lou's death and the trial... Dorcas Anderson's husband would succumb to illness. So, just at the giant time, finger quotes. Yeah, exactly. So, just about the time that Willie Maxwell and folks, we're sorry, there's a lot of names here, but it is what it is. We need to give you the truth. It's true. So, just about the time Willie Maxwell was attempting to seduce one of the jurors on his case, Dor Anderson, for his wife's murder, albeit her husband mysteriously dies. During the trial of um, of the guy who murdered his wife, Dorcas Anderson. So, John and listeners, during the trial, Dorcas, what kind of name is Dorcas, would eventually flip and provide Maxwell with an alibi that led to his acquittal and trial, and that acquittal led to Willie Maxwell collecting $90,000 in insurance money from Ooh. his tribulations. After the trial... The two would marry. So after this juror's husband dies, she marries the man who she was on the jury of to potentially convict him of murdering his wife. Close. So the guy who was on trial for killing his wife, the star witness, he seduced and got to flip. Meanwhile, her husband Wait, she was a witness? Yeah. What did she see? It it did the wreck. Oh, okay. I guess. But, like, either way, on paper, as far as the law was concerned, Reverend Willie Maxwell got away with it. Now, the second death. After his acquittal, uh, Willie Maxwell's brother Columbus would succumb to alcohol poisoning. Hmm. Which is something, honestly, Ben and I have talked about off uh, off mic, and it's something we're definitely concerned about. We're going to brave it the storm. We've agreed that this it's, it's, finding John. out the truth is more important than our livers, right? Obviously. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. The brightest stars live half as long, mm-hmm. and here's why. Because sometimes what you need to do is brave the storm to make your way to the shore. I would rather be a firecracker than a candle. Exactly. John, I would rather be a supernova than a fucking turd. So, um, uh, Columbus, uh, the brother of Willie Maxwell. Strong names in this family. Great names. Um, he had spoken to a few newspapers and radio stations about his brother's trial hmm. um, during, and before and during and after. Um, all seeming fairly innocuous, all these interviews and, and discussions. Um, but it, is it possible that Willie Maxwell heard these interviews and kind of formed a vendetta, Ben? Do you think he had Well, I don't... Did he... Well... It's possible. I don't know the context of the interviews. Were they bad? It could have been nothing but praise. Let's assume it's generic. It's both like, oh, he was a good guy. Oh, there were sometimes I saw him doing something shitty. 
But How I think famous right. was William Maxwell? Why do newspapers even want to know that? 1970s Alabama. If there's a if there's a scandalous murder trial, it's in the papers. It's rural enough that this is the biggest news by far. Okay, so John, I mean, I don't know. Without knowing the context of the newspaper articles that were written, I can't possibly tell. But here's what I will say. Then we'll have to move forward. No, wait, wait, wait. Before you do that, I think I need to... Sure. Let, I, think, wait, I think we need to clear something up. So, it's known throughout the voodoo community... That practitioners of voodoo, I mean, whether you believe this or not, listeners, practitioners of voodoo are known to mysteriously wreak bizarre happenings upon their life, um, such as the deaths of loved ones, crazy, unfortunate, bad luck, um, things of that hap- things of that nature. So it's it's very. Do you do we think that it's possible that Willie Willie Maxwell became a practitioner of voodoo without knowing? That the repercussions upon his own existence would be so detrimentally destroyed that his own wife would die, and so would his brother. Could this have been punishment of Willie Maxwell by some sort of deranged voodoo god, as opposed to his own doings? I think so. I think um, voodoo is a religion that, like, is to paraphrase, it's playing with fire. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they are dealing in things unknown, and they're dealing in things in rituals and dark lords and potentially demons mm-hmm. and demonic spirits and entities. Mm-hmm. So I doubt it's a power they have control of truly, though they may think they do. John, I gotta say, yeah, I disagree with you. Okay, so um, go on. I feel like because Dorcas Anderson was um was the star witness in the case, and Willie and and Willie Maxwell did not have to seduce her. Seemingly you bewitched But he her. did. It, it seemed like he seduced her for the sole purpose of, you know, flipping the star witness over yeah. to his side. And, John, by the way, I have questions. How did the prosecution not find out about this during the case? Because I feel like that would be um, kind of a big deal if their star witness was being seduced by or had anything to do whatsoever Wait, with the person. Which murder are you talking about? The first or the second? I'm talking about the first murder. The first murder? How do you think charges were not brought? We already covered I don't, this. No, Why no, are we no, 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 no. How do you think that the prosecution did not find out about the growing relationship between Dorcas Anderson and Willie mm, Maxwell? Okay. Um... Hmm, wow, that's that is a tough one. That's a, that's definitely a loose end. Did your mystery. research lead you to any conclusions? Well, again, my I didn't. I could, there was a limited amount of research I physically. Could I know, but do. if you people are dead, this is 40, 50 years ago. Use your alternative sources. I guess what I did, the rocks that I could unturn, the mm. the, the leaves I could kick over. Mm. What I found was that Willie Maxwell's reputation was enough to instill fear. Anyone both in the trial, potentially the judge, and most certainly the jury. Hmm. So, a lot of it relies on Willie Maxwell playing on some legal technicalities and probably potentially voodoo. Okay. He knew if he could win over the one, the the key piece, the queen on the chessboard, if you will, that was Dorcas Anderson, hmm. through whatever means necessary, he knew that he would have the edge. And from there, it may be only a few dark rituals and incantations hmm. that would bewitch just a few more jurors and the judge okay. to get him off. After that, probably, I assume, the brother was a witness to all of the rites and incantations that took place to get him out of the trial. So naturally... He becomes a target, a loose end in need of tying up. Yay, So, yay. I mean, John, I can't say I disagree with you, but here's what we do know happened next. Okay. As we stated earlier, Columbus Maxwell, his beloved brother, was soon found dead later and believed to have died of alcohol poisoning with no foul play suspected to be involved. So, John, I'm just going to give a, 
a quick recap. Um, what we have here is we have a preacher living in rural Alabama mm-hmm. at the turn mm-hmm. of the century America. Yep. Um, and people around him, he is feared in his town. He moves this rural town. We don't really know where he came from before that. And people in this town seem to fear him for whatever reason. That can't really be um, can't really be good. verbalized. And his first wife dies. He then seduces the woman who apparently sees the car crash that his first wife was in. His brother starts talking to the press. His brother dies for whatever reason. And we just have ourselves a, a, a bizarre happening. And John, you know who wouldn't put up with this? Um, I think it's the sponsor of our next uh, our, our next sponsor. So let's take a quick word from them, and we'll be right back with the conclusion of this mystery. Come on down, girl, sit on down, and tell me about yourself. So I hear you like my mates. Yeah, we think there's something else when you're smoking meats. Don't settle for that second-rate stuff. Girl, you need the best. Get pit face rub. It's better than the rest all day long. Come on, girl. Just sing this song. Pit face rubs. Pit face rubs. Pit face rubs will make you come. That's right, listeners. Pit face barbecue rubs will make you come. When you're barbecuing outside this summer, whether it's delicious pork ribs, briskets, burgers, don't settle for second-rate meat rubs and seasonings. In order to get the very best out of your meats, you need... Pit Face Barbecue Meat Massage. Pit Face Barbecue Meat Massage is the filet mignon of seasonings, the champagne of rubs, the caviar to your cookout. John, that's right. In addition to Pit Faced Meat Massage making you cum your pants, um, and by the way, they can be found at pitfacebarbecue.com, Pit Face Barbecue Rub features a unique blend of sugars, spices, and herbs that are sure to take your barbecue to a level so sky high you might die. This rub has a deep, layered flavor profile that is sweet, tangy, spicy, and has a light touch of heat. Meat massage is great whether you're cooking on the smoker, grill, or indoors. And by the way, folks, it comes in two exotic flavors, regular and, of course, spicy for you hotties out there. Listeners, don't cheat yourself out of the best meal you've ever had or grilled. Head to pitfacedbarbecue.com to find their line of orgasmically delicious meat rubs and other products, of course. Right now, Drunk Mysteries listeners should use offer code DRUNK10 for 10% off your order. That's DRUNK10. Um, that's pitfacedbarbecue.com and use offer code DRUNK10, DRUNK10, to make the tastiest investment of the summer. Pit face rubs will make you come. So, John, believe it or not, and loyal listeners, I know, I know that you guys come to us for um, comfort, but in this particular case, uh, we have to hit you with horror. It's tough because this would not be the last death that Millie, Willie Maxwell experienced. In 1973, Reverend Willie Maxwell's second wife, the one that helped him earn his acquittal and the trial, was found dead on the floorboard of her car, not too far from their home in Nixburg, Alabama. The official cause of Dorcas's death was determined to be, quote, acute asthmatic bronchitis, 
although her autopsy noted a deep laceration on her forehead. Seems like a big deal. Kind of relevant, gotta be. Um, but since the death was not ruled a murder, Maxwell again collected on an insurance policy and gained a cool $50,000, and this is 1970s money. John, do we know why this was not investigated as a murder? Um, because it was determined, the official cause was determined to be acute asthmatic yeah, no, bronchitis. But they did, did they wonder, like... Which was a, what was a medical so, condition. Okay, so from what I've heard... They didn't look into the cut on her forehead because they assumed like she collapsed in her head. Correct. But it still seems like something you'd look into. You would think you wouldn't it, have you any would, assumptions. If you're the assurance company, you would want that looked into further before you shell out fifty grand. Let me put it that way. If I if I'm the insurance company, I want that looked into more. Because the economy was booming in this era. No. Uh, there's a fourth death. It's Maxwell's nephew. In 1976, uh, Reverend Willie Maxwell's nephew, James Hicks, a young pulpwood worker, was found dead in his automobile, which had inexplicably run off the road on a Coosacana highway. So, John, the state's pathologists were unable to determine that any injuries suffered in the accident could have proved fatal. Um... And said that his death was the result of, quote-unquote, natural causes. That seems weird. You get in a car accident and it's natural causes that you died from? It seems almost implausible. Yeah. Like, it's almost like you died of old age right before you hit a tree. Oh, whoops. I guess I'm I'm dead now. I guess you died of a heart attack before you hit this tree. Oh, no. So, John, among Mr. Hicks' papers were an insurance policy that he had taken out on his life with his mother... Um, which was Willie Maxwell's sister. Mm. Man, shit gets the weird. The plot thickens. So he was the apparently the beneficiary. So Willie Maxwell was due to benefit from the death of his nephew. However, people, experts in the investigation said that they indicated the application form for the policy had been filled out in Mr. Ma- in Mr. Maxwell's Mr. Maxwell's handwriting. So basically, kind folks, of a what investigators came out with was that they it looked like Willie Maxwell's young nephew had a will for some reason, and in that will, his much older and unhealthier uncle stood to benefit from his nephew's death. Now, John, kind of. seems, that seems had pretty ins- unusual. Well, kind of. He had an insurance policy, uh, a life insurance policy, filled out. Um, that seemingly suspiciously looks like it was filled out in Reverend Willie Max. John, do you want to know how many, and listeners, just for pure, pure clarification here, I need you to know that a grand total of zero of my uncles are named on any of my insurance policies. That's true for me as well. Now, there's a fifth suspicious death. Shirley Ann Ellington, who's just 16 years old was found dead underneath her car on July 11th, 1977. Huh. Um, Shirley was the adopted daughter of a man named Robert Burns. Who's he, John? Um, hang on. Shirley was... <laughs> Shirley was the adopted daughter of a man named Robert Burns' brother's ex-wife who had since married Reverend Willie Maxwell. So, A, what? very distant relative connection. B, Willie Maxwell is fucking everybody in Coosa County, Alabama. Yeah, he is. And here's the other thing. Why are you giving us this goddamn web of families when it's almost impossible to keep up with? Again, no one Alabama. in their goddamn... Yeah, no, you're right. People in are... other words, she was Burns' adopted niece and um, Reverend Willie Maxwell's, therefore, adopted stepdaughter. 
I know you may have seemed a bit like, who the fuck is Robert Burns? And I, I promise this is relevant. I'm so confused, it's unbelievable. We're going to get there. So surely this young girl died under a mysterious... So just to clarify, this yeah, is ahead. a young girl in another part of Alabama mm-hmm. who in has a... nearby lo- part of so Alabama. Who is, so a nearby a, part of Alabama. She's in a nearby part of Alabama who has family who is verifiably related to Willie Maxwell. Yes. Is that it's the basic gist of what's going on? It's a distant relationship, and yes. Um, so now we're going to talk about revenge. Now, Ben, what do you think of when you think about revenge? So, John, here's what I think of. I think of government forces coming into my home to do unspeakable things in my backyard when they shouldn't be doing those things. Now, John, do you want to know why the Revolutionary War was fought? Well, I wanted you to talk more about revenge and not the Revolutionary War, but go on. Okay, so, John, here's the thing. When the Revolutionary War was fought, it was fought on the principle of taxation with representation. representation. No, with representation. Well, they they, were they pissed, wanted they yeah. wanted. Yeah, they, it depends on what side of the coin you're looking at. But anyway, here's what point I'm getting to. So, folks, when we try to think of revenge, what we try, what we think of in today's society is that revenge isn't worth it. Isn't right. But you know what, John? That's it not, is. That's not true. It fucking Sometimes, is. folks, you need to take the law into your own hands. Sometimes you need to be the hero. In your own storybook. Agreed. You need to be the the Captain America of your goddamn own tale. And the only way to do that is to take the law into your own hands, regardless of the rights, um, lives, and uh, future hopings of your, your fellow citizens. John. So, um, at the funeral of Shirley and Ellington, who was, again, this young girl, yeah. um, Robert Burns was in attendance. And the funeral was what you'd expect. Who open was Robert casket. Burns and why was he important? The distant, he was the um, other side of, like, if, okay, if in the middle, uh, if a distant relative of Reverend Willie Maxwell mm. is this young girl, mm. if you look on the other side of the family tree, there's Robert Burns. Okay, so Robert Burns is a character who has recently been involved in this story mm-hmm. for reasons that are not yet apparent. Well, no, really, his part will be just revealed, but it's important to get before we get there. <laughs> um, so, like, basically. <clears throat> He's a member of the Cusacali, Alabama. He's heard all these fucking rumors. The Cusacali what? Of Cusacali, Alabama. Mm-hmm. He's heard all these rumors about Reverend William Maxwell. Cusacali is the place this takes place. Cusa County, Alabama. So you Cusa got that? County, Alabama is where this takes place. Yes. Good. So Just clarifying. For years, he's heard all of the rumors about Reverend Willie Maxwell. We know. And in some way, as somehow, some distant branch of maybe drugs, booze, or otherwise, mm-hmm. his niece twice removed uh Shirley gets mixed up with Reverend Willie Maxwell okay. and there and then subsequently dies hmm. so Robert Burns knows what's going on he's seeing the field whereas the rest of the goddamn Cusacali and Alabama is not so, so basically he's I'll start, get there he's starting to see a pattern and yes. that pattern leads him to believe Correct. that the that the Reverend whose parish no one goes to Willie Maxwell is responsible for the deaths of at least his niece. So, John, at the funeral for Shirley Ann Ellington, Robert Burns was in attendance. The funeral was what you would expect. Open casket, people crying, eulogies spoken, Organs, and hearts. choirs. And hearts just exposed on the stage. Amazing now, John, Grace was sung. shut your goddamn mouth. 
So when Reverend Willie Maxwell took the stage to speak about Shirley Ann, the young, vibrant woman with a flicker in her eye and a question mark in her mouth that said, I want to know the truth. Maybe I'll be a scientist. Maybe I'll be a submarine captain. But you know what, I, def you know what I definitely won't be? Murdered. But that didn't happen that way, John. What happened was she ended up in a funeral. She got murdered. Yeah. So, eventually, Burns couldn't take it anymore. Already angry, Burns began to boil. He reached in his pocket for... Uh, yeah, go back to wherever. So, when Reverend Willie Maxwell took the stage to speak about the young vibrant oh. Shirley Ann, um, uh, Burns, Robert Burns, her relative, just couldn't fucking dig it. He knows mm. that this guy's fucking behind it. One way, maybe he can't explain it, but he knows it. Mm-hmm. So already angry, Burns begins to boil. He mm. reaches a point where he just fucking explodes and he jams his hand into his coat pocket for the Beretta he had loaded and brought so with him. So he pulled out a gun. Yep. A loaded gun. A loaded I mean, if, gun. I feel like he brought a loaded... Several rounds. If he brought a loaded gun well, to this, Alabama. it seems a little premeditated. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's Alabama. You just have guns. Oh, you're just going to generalize the fucking... Do you think they just have guns in there? A, a fucking revolver in your pocket? For no goddamn apparent reason. I guarantee no matter... You have a like, gun okay. in the, your closet and a bow and arrow beneath our staircase. Don't talk to me about John, life. I live in Texas and I will do as I That's please. That's my point. This is Alabama. Well, you it's know what, I, you know what I don't do? I don't bring concealed weapons to places. Whatever. Like, I guarantee... If he had had... If, if he... Had just had a gun on him for no reason, he probably would have had a holster. Look, thanks for Not reading the goddamn climax of the fucking picture I was painting. Because what happens is that Robert Burns grabs that goddamn Breda, wheels around atop his pew, puts his hand underneath his shooting hand, and goes pew pew and shoots the fuck out of Robert or Reverend Willie yeah, Maxwell. Yeah, very premeditated. In the middle of a funeral. Premeditated. Sure. I guarantee he was planning on doing that initially. M sure. But Ben. Speculate wildly. Was Reverend Willie Maxwell seemingly mixed well, up so in voodoo? So he died. Assume was okay. he? Yes, he died. Was he mixed up in voodoo? Well, hard to say because we didn't talk about that at all. Yes, we did. No, we. But, oh my God! You haven't been paying attention, Ben. Yes, I have. Well, because the whole thing is that the suspicious murders that surround a man walking. Voodoo is the religion and seemingly uh, uh, power, nefarious evil spirit and essence that corrupts and spreads both quietly and silently um, and just eats that around a decaying life from within subtly where John, there is not to be a suspect. So Re Reverend John, I only, meant, I only meant specifically talked about, like, what goes into this practice? What does it even mean? But you know what? That doesn't matter. You're we'll right. Get, yeah, that doesn't matter. You're we'll right. We'll get to that in part two all, of all our that matter, voodoo study. All that matters is that he was suspected of voodoo, which therefore means he is clearly guilty of voodoo. Okay. And so here's the thing. I think that because he was suspected of all these various different crimes, and just by, just by the laws of odds, the fact that he was connected to at least four people that died under suspicious circumstances, it seems like he was probably at least responsible for two of them. Okay, I, mean, I would even, agree if, with that. Even if we give him the benefit of the I doubt, would I would say the Reverend Willie Maxwell murdered at least two relatives. Okay. Maybe not four. If, you know, 75% chance he murdered all of them, but, you know, 25% chance he only murdered two. Either way, a suspicious character. But, John, here's the thing. All we need to know about voodoo is not why it's practiced, the in-depth history of it, um, who practices it, uh, where Willie Maxwell learned it, um, 
why anyone would learn it, or you know, any of the useful things about voodoo. All we need to know is that it is suspicious, and he did practice it. So if you have more questions about voodoo, because this is a subject that we want to dive more deep into, but yes. we sort of tentatively wanted to know our, our listeners' response. So please, I would implore you right now, if you have more questions about voodoo, to log on to drunkmysteries.com. There's a contact us mm. a section of the website where yes. you can send us but just quick questions and comments. John, what's your favorite part about the new website? Um, um, my favorite part is the contact us section and how easy it is. Because I value feedback, I yes. value criticism, and I want critical peer review of yes, all the mysteries that we present. So, if you'd like us to delve further into uh, voodoo and its whereabouts and, and inhabitants, please contact us through the website or drunkmysteries at gmail.com. Our sources have- this evening uh, were Burns Remembers Maxwell um, by David Granger in the Outlook.com. We also brought some information in from author David Rasfield and his articles on the compelling stroper of Harper Lee that actually was never published because Harper Hmm. Lee based some unpublished novels and stories on this case. Um, And then finally, a New York Times article published in 1977 by Ray Ray Jenkins. Jenkins. So, John, so Ray Jenkins is, as you know, a personal hero of mine. So... Same. Can we just say a couple words about Ray Jenkins? Go ahead. Like, if you don't mind. So, yeah. Okay, folks, I, I don't like the fanboy out here, but Ray Jenkins and I once sat together on a plane. I don't know if you know this, Ray Jenkins, but if you're listening, here it goes. So, one time when I was about 12 years old, in the early 2000s, at LaGuardia Airport, I was leaving to go from New York um, over to Cincinnati, Ohio, and I was by myself. It was for a trip to go visit one of my many uncles, um, and... I just happened to be in first class, so um, lo and behold, right next to me is Ray Jenkins. Ray Jenkins, um, signature square glasses, smoking a pipe rebelliously in first class. Yep. He had paid enough money. Look, believe me, you can still smoke on airplanes. Oh my God! And Especially in '97. Listen, well, you know, it was like 2002, but 9/11 hadn't changed everything yet. So. Basically, Ray Jenkins is there, and we only exchange a glance. But after that glance, you know what he says to me? He says, listen, chump, if you want to be a champ, you got to learn to dance. Right. So with that said, um, thank you for joining us. Uh, I want to warm, lukewarm thank you to our senior producer, Rick Warren. Um, Please subscribe and review. Ben, you got anything else? I don't care. We'll see you next time on Drunk Drunk Mysteries. Mysteries. So, John, I have a question. What do you got? Listen. Talk to me. So, let's say that you had to eat. Um, Actually, no. I have another question for you. Go ahead. So, if you had to nuke any one country in the world, which one would it be? Um, I've thought about this, and I think I I would say Canada, and I would give them... Really, our closest neighbor. I'd give him preemptive warning. And Again, I would our bomb closest the, neighbor. I would, I would one, use the... Again, you're asking me the question of what I would do. I'd be like, be look, look I would be like, we're going to use the smallest nuke we have. We're going to bomb the least populated part. It's also we're the gonna closest give you, to us. We're going to give you... It's literally... We're going to give you two months' notice... Be and supply people like it's move the them out. It's closest to us. There's yeah. nowhere you could nuke in Canada that wouldn't directly affect us. Like with ra- like imagine there's if there's a, dude, dude, it goes so if there far. was a northern gust. It goes so far. It goes so far up. And again, I'm not using the fucking city. It also it'd be catastrophic. What would you do? All right, same question. You do. 
What do you got? Who? What, what, what country do you bomb? Uh, I don't Scoop know. Closer to the mic, no, would, Scoop closer to the mic. I wouldn't bomb a country. I'd bomb a continent, and I would go to fucking Antarctica. Okay, where they, yeah, you're, you're right. See, there we go. Okay, there was Antarctica is my answer. There was a right answer. Sorry, Canada. It wasn't any beef. I was trying to preface it by saying, like, I'm going to give you. I'm going to nuke the closest place to America, and you know what? Our friendliest ally. I was going to help. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I fucked up. My back hand. That's pretty stupid.